Hello and welcome. You're listening to Then Again, What Do We Know? A podcast that's all about exploring the human experience from an unofficial point of view. Your hosts are Mer Monson and Brianne Griebel, that's me, and we hope you'll sit back, relax, and just ponder what we're talking about. As we explore new ways of looking at life, we're hoping that you will do the same. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Then Again, What Do We Know? I am Brianne Griebel. With me, as always, is my partner in podcast, Mer Monson. Hello, Mer. Hey, Brianne. I don't know why. I just really love our little spiel in the beginning. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> I like that consistency. We'll probably change it up at some point. but um, So we were doing our, our pre-episode pre-chat. Pre- That's a lot of pre's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mer says she wants to talk about love. Mm, love is on her mind. And I'm sure we're going to talk about all different kinds of love, but uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna let you roll with it, Mer, and and jump in whenever I have something to contribute. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> just um, start talking and see what well, comes what out. You, well, when you said, I'll start you with a question. When you said love was on your mind, um, what did what did you mean? Because I know that's that's it. Love's a big word. Well, that's the first thing that was occurring to me yeah. just now is that, wow, that means so many different things to so many people. You know, it means something different to all of us. So I'm just going to speak for a minute to what it's looking like to me. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll just see where we go. I... Okay, so there's a couple of couple of directions. And one is just this noticing that love is always there. So there's a couple of different ways that I would talk about this. One is like if we took like 12 buckets of Play-Doh of all different colors and we made a world out of them made water and land and animals and people and stuff and buildings and experiences and lives, like it would still all be Play-Doh. Like that's kind of what I'm starting to glimpse is that everything is love in disguise. And I, I use the word love lightly because I don't mean it in the sense that we like to grab onto it. But I mean it in the sense of where it also meets the words grace or life or energy or possibility. Like all these words point to what I'm I'm getting eyes for. But that it's it's literally the ground that stays there when everything else moves and shifts and changes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> And then I'm going to get biblical on you, so prepare yourself. (laughs) What what does that mean? Do I need a shield? or (laughs) How does one prepare themselves? (laughs) I don't know, whatever that means to you. But the the, the story that just came to my mind about it is the story of the prodigal son. You're familiar, Mm -hmm. I assume. 
Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. So I, I know the metaphor. I don't really know the story now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. So like succinctly, that the father has two sons and he has, he wants to give them his inheritance. And the one son comes and says, I want it now. So he gives them all of his inheritance and he takes off into the world. And he basically ends up in a, in a pigsty with the pigs. <laughs> I mean, kind of at the bottom of the well, all the money is spent, everything is gone. Um, he's miserable. And it, I think the phrase in the scripture is he comes to himself and he decides to go back home and his father is there waiting with open arms and runs out to meet him and they throw this big huge party for him and the older son is completely ticked because the whole time he stayed there and done everything right Mm. and and done everything that he needed to do. I mean, he's been working really hard to to earn and deserve his father's love and the inheritance. So that's that's kind of the gist of the story. Right. But the reason that I brought it up is I just think it's this beautiful metaphor for love and how we misunderstand it. Because when we when we go looking for it in circumstances and things and feelings or states of mind we suffer. And when we go looking for it by trying to earn it and deserve it by being good enough, we also suffer. Mm. Like both brothers are living less loved, both are missing the mark. And and what we miss is that it's always here right now all the time. It's it never goes anywhere. It's our starting place. Mm-hmm. And actually, I I really heard this when I read pieces of your book about about your mom, that all the things you thought were love have fallen away, mm-hmm. and yet it's still there. Yeah, I am um, <clears throat> kind of my uh, version of what I'm hearing you saying is I've I realize I'm realizing just what we turn the word love into. Like the, the word love is like a container and it can, but it, it contains what we put inside of it. Like our definitions, our ideas of what it, it's supposed to feel like or look like or what it's supposed to mean. Like all the different kinds of love, like the love between different kinds of people and different kinds of relationships. And, and, and I'm seeing more that love is the container, not the stuff we put inside the container. Mm, tell me more about that. Well, it, like well, your metaphor is that it's the ground, and my metaphor is that it's the thing that contains everything else. Like everything is inside what I would call love, and and it, again, I like that all kinds of different words for that. You know, pure consciousness is another word for love in my mind, or God, or life. You know, um, it's everything that goes on inside of it is made of it, but it's not it. <laughs> and it can't, makes, and it can't mess it up. It, yeah. It can't be contaminated. It can't be ruined. Yeah. It can't be, um, screwed up. It can't, it can look and feel like all kinds of things and we can make all kinds of things up about that innocently. Um, but you know, and it, it really has been 
my mom that has shown me this. You know, it, it, I mentioned in my book that you've, it's not out yet, but you had an advanced copy that you read. Um, that it's so interesting to see all of this stuff, you know, for those who haven't heard the other episodes, my mom has Alzheimer's and dementia. She's late stage now. Um, like all the, there's all these placeholders that we want to say like, oh, there's e or, or evidence of love or there's love. There, it's right there. I can see it. I can feel it. I can talk about it. Um, but life through my mom's dementia is taking all of those kinds of things away from me. She doesn't know who I am. So, you know, I'm not going to find love in my name, you know, her calling my name. There's, there's, it's not there. It can't be, it's gone. You know, she doesn't know I'm her daughter. She doesn't have any of the memories we had. She's not going to do any of the things that you might consider like a loving mother would do. She can't like, it's all, all of the places you might look for it are gone. And yet it's so obvious to me that love is there. So it kind of got a different spin on me of like, well, God, what is this love stuff that we talk about? Where actually is it? It, 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 like, where is that love coming from? If it's not dependent upon any of the variables that I thought it was dependent on. And, and more and more, it just looks like to me like, well, it's just what's left when everything else is gone. Oh, God, I love that. You know, I was sitting with a, a friend earlier this week who's just days away from, from dying of cancer. Mm. And as I sat with her, with she and her husband, and we spent a couple hours together and we just, we laughed and we cried and just, there's something about that space for me that's so beautiful because you can just talk about anything, like mm. <laughs> nothing, nothing to hide, you know? And as I looked in her eyes over and over and over again, it was just so, it shocked me how obvious it was to me that, that she was not her body and mm. that she wasn't going anywhere. Mm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't even know how to say it. That's the way it comes out, but... But whatever that is that that made her her. Yeah. And I don't even mean her brain. I just mean her presence. You know, and, and the, in her eyes was the easiest place for me to see it. Yeah. But but that wherever, wherever it is that we really do come from, and we're calling it love today, but that it literally is unbreakable. You know, it's interesting you kind of put it that way because um, similarly, when I sit with my mom now, um, and she's <laughs> – this is both funny and a little dark to me. Um, the way I say it now is, is death isn't knocking on her door, but it's in her town. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. it, it might be making its way to her neighborhood, um, but it's not on her door yet. So, you know, she's um, – she's becoming less verbal, but she'll still um, talk a little bit. And, um, the thing I, I'm just, and I have mentioned this before, like I am drawn to being in her presence because she's closer than it looks like I am <laughs> or most people I know. Um, you know, my mind can wrap its head around like, yeah, I, I can see it coming. I can't see anybody else's coming, but I can see this one coming. Um, and I've noticed how 
between that, just just in general, her her being closer to death and the, the the ugliness of the disease itself, I've just noticed how hard it is for most people to be in her presence. Um, and I understand it's because they are looking at the stuff that they defined as love and what's good and easy and and all the stuff that we do. We innocently just make up all these ideas. And when that stuff's gone, it can be so incredibly uncomfortable if you don't know there's something else. Mm. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's, I think what makes it easier, it's not always easy for sure. What makes it easier for me is I think I have had a real clear seeing that she is not this body. She is not this disease. She is not these, you know, episodes of anger. She is not this gibberish that she talks about. She is not any of that stuff. I've not entirely let go of her as the body she's in and the, and the mother I've known. Cause I know for a fact, when that is gone, I will grieve deeply, you know, when she does pass because I do put value in her physical body being there, but, but I've seen enough of how that is not who she is, that there's a, there is underneath all of it, a type of calm, even when it's a bit chaotic, even when I am thinking about the things I'm going to lose or already have lost. Um, it's like the edges of her have faded enough, like they're blurry enough that I can see the, the vastness of who and what she is enough that I'm not devastated by the loss of the form of, of who she is. And by form, I mean my ideas of who she is and was and, and, and her body. And that it just, it's like she, she's, she's fading back into the background and, and, and I don't mean in a bad way. I mean that the, the background is just that pure unfiltered, untouched love the, she's, she's fading back into that. And while, yeah, it's sad to lose the form because I like the form. I, you know, we are going to make up definitions of love. Um, I like thinking that my husband, um, is, you know, the love of my life and, uh, he's totally different than all other human beings. And I get my joy from him. Um, I, I like making that up. I, I love playing in the form and making up shapes out of Play-Doh. Um, but knowing that they are Play-Doh and that they'll go back to being Play-Doh when they stop being this particular form is just really nice to see. <laughs> wow, that was beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's the impact is astounding me of when you start to recognize that, that we don't find it in the form itself. Mm-hmm. That it comes before that and beneath that and beyond that. I mean, I just, there's so many things that just start to happen on their own. And one, just what you just said, you know, that there's a peace when you're actually looking in the direction of where it actually comes from. Mm-hmm. And we were able to just see more clearly. And we, you know, we melt. <laughs> like we, a good metaphor for it, yeah, melting. Yeah, you know, our, our defenses, our grudges, our fears, our resentments, our hang-ups. Like, it, it's hard. It's really hard to resist pure, unfiltered, unfeigned love that you can't do anything to mess up. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when it literally does not depend on you in any way. Yeah. Or what you do or don't do or think or don't think or feel or don't feel. You know, I don't know why this pops in my head. And this, um, <laughs> as I'm thinking about it, I don't know if it'll it'll fully tie into this. I think it will. I was listening to um, a podcast um, with, uh, oh my gosh, um, Russell Brand. <laughs> um, and I, it was just, I just caught a snippet and I can't, he was interviewing somebody and I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember her name and I'm not going to. Um, but they were talking about religion and, and Christianity and God and, and, um, the, the woman, I I don't know any of her background, but she was the snippet that I caught was just this really interesting. She's like, you know, it makes complete sense to me why people would turn away from God. She makes, it makes total sense to me that there is an entity that truly loves you no matter what you have done um that is and i'm you know totally bastardizing what she said but um that that is 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 ultimately like the 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 trump card of forgiveness like that is terrifying because what if you believe in that and it turns out to be wrong um She's like, I, so I understand why people wouldn't even want to look in that direction because they feel like if it's not actually there, the disappointment will be too difficult. Um, and it was interesting. I'd never really kind of thought about it that way. And I'm, I'm not, I don't have any particular religion or faith, but um, I think in a similar way, it's kind of like if you don't actually have a sense for this, you wouldn't want to look for it. Because it sounds make- too good to be true. It, that, or it just doesn't make sense because you are you can be so enamored with the form. So because it is, it's enamoring. <laughs> it's seductive. It's it's delightful and interesting and weird and bizarre. And it's like you know, in Technicolor, um, your your senses, you know, the, these physical senses that we have can pick it up. Um. And so because we have, we do, it seems, have these bodies that can feel and taste and touch and think and feel and love, we think it, all of the things we're looking for is in that form. To tell yourself to look for it somewhere else, I can understand your brain just going like, what? <laughs> um, you know, does that, does that make sense? I think so. And it might, might not. I feel like I kind of maybe maybe the terror is or the fear is it's just not not realizing there is something else like you yeah. started with. Yeah. Like and I and I'm really feeling the difference between ooh I'm gonna believe in love mm. and waking up to the stage that everything is playing out on and recognizing it as love. Yeah. You know, the difference between that, that really nice, beautiful idea and the actual recognition. Oh, that is the container it's all playing out in. Oh, that is the ground I'm standing on. 
Yeah, we and how one really moves the needle, and one is something you have to work hard to remind yourself of. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's you know, and even just because we've used the word love, it can trip people up because, like I said initially, it's it, and you were saying that it's we can make up all kinds of stuff about what love is. And so if somebody hangs on to this idea of like, well, I know what you're talking about when you say the word love. And I look out there and I see this thing, this person, this event, this situation, you know, something in my past, like there, you, you cannot convince me that that is made of love because of the idea of what I'm talking about when I mean love, you know, I could hear, I could make, it makes sense to me that someone would hear that in that way and then, and not be able to see it. Uh, you know, so it's, I, I remember, um, somebody who we know, George Pransky, um, he, it was in a, um, I was in a, a, a webinar with him and he, he was talking about business, which was interesting. Um, I believe the name of the course was falling in love with your business or something like that. So love mm-hmm. was in there, but, um, we were talking about marketing and I remember he said, well, if you don't like marketing, you just need a different definition of marketing. Um, and it struck me, and I use that all the time with all kinds of words now. Like if you don't like blank, you just need a different definition of it. And I think what he was pointing to, at least what I heard, was that that's what we do. We, we put things in a box in our minds and say this is exactly what it is instead of um, kind of breaking down the box and letting it be whatever it wants to be. And actually looking. Exactly. Exactly. Like we, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. We, it's so interesting to me that we will turn love into an idea and then take this idea with us and compare and contrast it to the things we see and experience in the world and say, ah, love, not love. By looking at this definition we've made, and then looking at this other thing and comparing the two and going like, well, this is what I think it is and should look like and feel like and, and how it should go. And I'm looking at that and that doesn't match it. So there's no love there. And this thing over here, well, it does match it. Maybe not perfectly, but it's in the ballpark. So there's love there. Um, well, but the, we don't look at ball- our definition. We look at the thing out there versus our definition, but we never look at our definition. Yeah. And, I, and I'm noticing when we do that, then it becomes a job to get to love or to have love yes. or to create love. Like it becomes a, a doing. Yeah. We have, a, <laughs> we, have a, we have a checklist in our heads that needs to be met, and we're constantly going out trying to check enough boxes. That, thus every relationship workshop that's ever been created, <laughs> right? <laughs> thus yeah. every self-love course that's ever been taught. Yes. Every self-esteem dot, dot, dot. Every know, communication seminar, like how to get along with people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and, I mean, and that, that's one of the things that's really shifted for me is that it used to look like really hard work that I, to, to connect with my own kids, to get right. to love with them, to right. connect to strangers, you know, to go to parties and have to, put myself out there to, you know, and I, and I would withdraw a lot from the world and from people. And it's so interesting to me that because of whatever I've seen about that, 
I'm already in love with everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no doing. It's just a recognition and a recognition that sometimes my thinking gets in the way. You know, when you just said that you're already in love, it occurred to me to say that we even turn that into a thing because there are days like, how do I want to say this? Because love is the background thing or, or the, the, the container or the ground or whatever metaphor we're trying to put to this, it's also the most ordinary thing on the face of the planet. It's, it's, it's just, it just is like, so when you say in love, people want to say like, oh, in love, oh, the feeling of being in love. Like they still want to make in love being a thing and a feeling like they'll know that they're in love because they'll feel it. It's like, no, it's like, it's ordinary. It's plain. It's like, it actually, you're probably the most in love when you have zero feeling whatsoever, positive or negative. You just are one <laughs> with life and existence. <laughs> Yeah, in the zone. Like you, yeah, you really understand alive. you are the Play-Doh and everything is the Play-Doh. And it all starts looking like Play-Doh. Like it's really cool to see that everything is Play-Doh. But also to be fair, it's, all not, it's not all that interesting or exciting. <laughs> it's just ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it reminds me of like quantum physics. You know, if you break everything down small enough, close enough, it's just energy. Yeah, and we talked about that last week. And it, yeah, it is the most ordinary thing. Yeah, it's so like being in love is so ordinary and unexciting. I mean, it, it to even say it's extremely beautiful as well, and I think it is, still takes me a little step away from just the pureness of what it is. Like it's it's it, it's it's so just there. But I love being pulled away from that. I love losing sight of that because it is the reminder of it that does make it so beautiful, that does make it interesting, that does give it a feeling, I guess. And I really like that. I, if you get lost in that, though, if you forget that it's the background, then it's also going to hurt a whole lot more than it needs to. It's always in the forgetting of what love actually is that we hurt. And that's going to happen. We're going to lose sight of it. I don't, I, I hate it when it hurts really bad. I don't mind it overall because gosh, it's so beautiful when I remember. Mm. It's so, it's the movement. It's, it's the, you know, there's a gap that happens and filling the gap, you know, closing the gap between you and all of what you are, closing the gap between forgetting what love is and remembering. That movement is delicious. And, and you got to go, you got to move away from it to move back to it. So you don't have to worry about not having it because it'll be real fun and beautiful when you get back to it. And you always will. And I don't know how long it always takes. Yeah, because it never goes. You do. <laughs> you or come you and go you and wander. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, go, you go wander around and go all over the place. But at some point in time, you get back there. And I think seeing that also has made me so overall comfortable with the idea of my mother's death and death in general, by the way, but you know, hers is the one that's, you know, right in front of my face. I, I, it's so interesting to me. Like, I know I am going to grieve when she's gone, but I'm not afraid of it. I don't want it to happen. 
I'm ready for it to happen. Like it's this weird, interesting place to be in. But she's going to go back into pure love. I actually like that phrase better rather than falling in love, like falling back into love. Hmm. Yeah. You're going, you're going back. That's why I always like when, when people, when I heard um, like when my relatives have passed or when I hear people like in my mind, the first thing that always comes up is that they've gone home. Like my, my phrase, you know, when my grandparents passed and I wrote things about it and stuff, you know, my, my you know, send off to them is like, I just say safe home, which is kind of a, a truncated, you know, you know, have a safe journey back to where you started from. Well, isn't it gorgeous that every time we wake back up to everything is that we're going home too. Mm. You know, it's, it's so a mini right. going home. Yeah. You're and so there's, right. there's something so cool that happens when we do that in, in the midst of living. Cause we just, it's like we come back into this gorgeous version of our child self you know, we're, we're awake, we're playful, we're present. We don't worry so much about the past and the future. We're forgiving, we're resilient. We're, we're creative. You know, it's just, it's the same thing that happens to any kid that's living in a home where they know they're loved no matter what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, first as a kid that's always trying to manage and figure out and puzzle out. Am I being good enough? Am I doing the right things enough of the time to get the love and affection I, I want? Yeah. You know, there's just this letting go, this relaxing, this opening up, this all the good stuff comes out when we start to sense that container, that ground. Yeah. Because that energy. When you know you're never actually away from it, when you have a, a, a sense for that, when you have eyes for that, when you actually, in the moments when you, you know that that there is just such an innate safety. I love that word. That's right? it. And it's not even, you, you might not even recognize it. Cause again, like the more you see this, the less there is to see, <laughs> you know, the less you make of it, but there's, and it, it, it goes with you everywhere you go. Cause you're, you're in it actually like it, it you're in yes. it. So it's never anywhere else. And so you just walk through this world knowing that you are that love, that you are in that love, that you are made of that love. And so there is nothing that's technically outside of you that can hurt you, harm you, um, you know, leave you. It, it, it's, it's, and it's just, you walk through the world differently when you have that, that kind of knowing of the ground beneath you, whether you're aware of the knowing or not, you know, whether it's just an, it, it is an innate sense of it. That... That's what's on offer and why I think people should look. <laughs> yeah, just that. <laughs> just that. That's all. <laughs> that that really is the difference, Brienne. I love that. When you you start to see that that you belong to it. Like it it wipes out all of the doing, the efforting, the trying to get somewhere, the trying to get to it. The hanging on to the form, the, I mean, it just, it puts everything 
in your line of vision how it actually is. And man, I cannot think of anything more freeing than that. Yeah. And you know, the more you get eyes for it, or, you know, we always want to put this in like physical senses, like you, you get a taste for it, you of it, you know, like, like you get a sense of it. You get a you sense. Get a, yeah. Like you I don't sniff know how it. to not, yeah, you <laughs> sniff it. I don't know how to not use a physical metaphor, but um, the more you ha have a knowing of it or an understanding of it or a seeing of it or whatever, um, the safer you feel even when you lose sight of it. Because, you know, as I was explaining to you before we hit record, like I had a really rough week this week, um, really rough week, so incredibly stressed out, so angry at life, you know, I'm flipping up, flipping off the heavens. Um, I definitely, I felt that way because it did not look like everything was love and made of love and I was love and <laughs> everything was fine. Um, I was so stressed. And so like, knots in my stomach, didn't eat for like a day and a half, barely slept, that kind of intense experience. And still, there was a sliver of space in all of that stuff that it still knew, you know what, this is going to turn out okay, or, or, or be okay, or, or this will pass. Or you know, I don't even have the words for what that little sliver was saying to me, but it was just a knowing of you, this it, it's temporary. This this is not the true thing. This is the mess that happens inside of the true thing, and eventually you're going to get eyes again for the true thing. And just I just knowing that it was again the safety was still with me. I was safe to be in those feelings of stress and overwhelm and anxiety and frustration and anger and grief and all the things that I was I was feeling all of the stuff. I was having all the bad feels, um, but that safety was still with me because somewhere in there. I still knew enough to know that I was in the container. I was, I was in love. I was a part of it, a piece of it. I belonged to it, whatever we want to say. <laughs> yeah. It just makes all the difference in the whole wide world. When you, when you realize that when, when you notice it, when you do sense it, when you see it, it's not because you've gotten there or you've earned it, or you've caused it to happen. It's just because you've noticed it. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it's, um, I'm kind of blending other people's metaphors that I've heard before, but it's like, if you were in a dark room, and somebody turned on the lights, and you saw where stuff was, and then they turned the lights back off again, you still have an experience of what it was like with the life lights on. You still are aware of like, I can't see that table over there, but I know it's there. I saw it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't unsense, unsee, yeah. untaste. It's like you might go bumping around and hitting the furniture again, but you know what you're hitting <laughs> instead of making stuff up about what's in the room. You know, what's in the room. You just can't see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the songs going through my head. You know, I was blind, but now I see. It's like what when your blindfold comes off, mm -hmm. and then it goes back on. 
in those kind of moments that you're describing mm-hmm. that you've had this week, it's it's not as if it was the same last time you had the blindfold on. Yes, yes. You're so right. It's a different experience of the dark. Yeah. Wow, isn't that beautiful? You think darkness is always just dark, but you can have different experiences of the darkness. Yeah, that is beautiful. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that seems good. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I can't help myself. When we, before we jumped on and we said, let's talk about love. I have to say, I would say like 30% of the dialogue inside of my own head is song lyrics. <laughs> that well, just of gets worse. <laughs> so I got to say, what's love got to do? Got to do <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have one that cool. <laughs> you would, it, it would be hilariously entertaining if somebody just walked around with me and could record the thoughts in my head because I guarantee 30% of my inner dialogue, something, I'll see something, somebody will say something, um, I'll hear whatever, hear something, and a song lyric pops into my head as a response. <laughs> oh, that's, that is my hubby all the way. I totally get it. <laughs> I'm a, I tell my husband, I'm 30% jukebox and 30% cartoon and 40% human. <laughs> I love it. Uh, silly note to end on. Well, that, this has been beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, as always. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast episode, please do share it. We would really appreciate that. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or review wherever you may be listening to this. We would love to hear from you. You can listen to more episodes and get extra notes at briangrebel.com slash then again. You should also check out Mer's website and learn more about her at mermonson.com. That is it for this episode. Until next time, take care. Take care.